Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. On the goal line, that's going to be a safety. It's a fumble, maybe, Jim. I think he actually fumbled that. He has the football. Wise has it. So a pretty good way, Henry, for the Patriots to finish that ball game. It was pretty close there in the first half, and the Raiders had a chance to to do the double score thing after they scored late in the second quarter, and then they drove deep into Patriots territory to start the third quarter, but we all know how that ended up. Carlson, the kicker, misses the kick. Pats kind of dominated the game from that point forward. What's your lead takeaway from this 36-20 win for the Pats to get to 2-1? I think the Raiders absolutely bungled the first half they, they should have been up by about 14 points um if they had literally like handed the ball off to josh jacobs 70 percent of the time or even like 90 percent of the time the patriots couldn't stop them up front and they should have built a much bigger lead instead they were down three and then the patriots figured out how to uh play offense or i guess there were two things they were doing they were running off tackle and they were running screens but that was enough to absolutely floor the Raiders in the second half. So what I'm getting at is the fact that they can have such a dominant half. If they play 60 minutes of football like that, this is a Super Bowl contending football team. And Cam Newton wasn't even playing well. That was that was his worst game as a Patriot, and I would say he was downright bad at most points in the game. So much potential for this team, considering they almost doubled the score of the Raiders on Sunday. You had that post on Patriots Wire about Belichick doubling uh, Derek Carr's checkdowns, which was a, a great point in the game, and I saw that on Twitter as well, and, and that was kind of hilarious. Belichick taking away Derek Carr's favorite receiver, which is you know the guy closest to him, as you wrote, so that was kind of funny, but let's talk about that defensive scheme by Belichick using multiple guys to take away Darren Waller and then like you wrote about on the Pats wire taking away the checkdowns for Derek Carr and you know it was almost like Belichick being like inviting the Raiders to put the ball in Derek Carr's hands because he knew Derek Carr couldn't beat him yeah that's that's exactly what it was they they wanted to take down you know they didn't do anything that interesting on Darren Waller which is why I think the Raiders are going to have issues going forward all they did with Waller was like chip him off the line of scrimmage with defensive ends when he was in line and when he was split wider that you know they just had their bigger cornerbacks bigger safeties get physical and press him and that was kind of it and then he disappeared Gruden didn't um, seem too happy after the game he, he thought that there was some opportunities there for Waller it seemed he was kind of crispy after the game uh, yeah and understandably so I mean Adrian Phillips was kind of like we didn't do anything that interesting on Waller. Derek Carr didn't go that way. And we kind of thought Derek Carr would go that way, but I guess our coverage was pretty good. So I think even the Patriots were a little surprised that they erased Waller at such a sort of effective rate. So once they got rid of him, I think, you know, Carr probably got in his head and he didn't want to go there. The Patriots on occasion would take away Carr's check down. And that's where Carr likes to go. He likes to throw. We were talking about this last week. He mm-hmm. likes to throw behind the sticks, yeah, which is especially on great. third down, which 
which is like aggravating, I'm sure, for Raiders fans. Like on third down, exactly. he's throwing it short. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's why the Raiders have been thinking about Carr for two years now. So yeah, they took away his first option. And the only time the Raiders really made, like exploited the Patriots in the deep game was on that final drive before the first half ended where Stefan Gilmore committed a defensive pass interference penalty. And that put the Raiders on the Patriots half. And then the Raiders then put the ball in the end zone, which was good on the Raiders. It was like the first time they really made the most of their opportunities. You know, you very, very rarely, maybe never see a team double the check down. That's just crazy. Um, only, so Belichick. Was, only Belichick. It's definitely not a compliment to Carr that they were like, yeah, we'll just double his check down and they'll be basically useless, which was essentially true. But one thing the Patriots did was they ran the ball all day long, right? 178 rushing yards in this game, got all the backs going. Burkhead had a great game. They've actually passed the Packers, as you wrote, as the NFL leader in rushing, which is kind of cool. And now we have Damian Harris ready to come back, right? So first of all, do you think that we'll see Harris this week against the Chiefs? And how do you think that changes how the Patriots will use all their backs? Because they've been using them all. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a puzzle. Not even Ivan Fears would, he probably didn't know. And he maybe he's hiding sort of what they know or what they think. But probably Ivan Fears is the Patriots running back coach. He said he he really didn't know how they were going to proceed. I don't know what's going on with uh, Harris's pinky. He got surgery on it right at the end of training camp and ultimately missed the first now three weeks. Um, he's eligible to return this week. It's week four. If he does, then they've got a tricky situation to handle. And I don't think he'll play much against the Chiefs if he does, just because it's already a committee and he'll already be sort of on a limited pitch count because of an injury. If he does come back, I think he's um, almost immediately one of the best backs on the team, even though the team has lot of good ones and they'll probably want to build his workload over the weeks of his return yeah yeah i mean there was a lot of hype with harris coming out of training camp so we'll see that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out so much more to get into obviously the patriots are playing the chiefs on sunday which is awesome we're gonna see exactly where the pats stand up chiefs look pretty good on monday night football against those ravens so we'll see exactly where the pats are at we'll get into all that coming up here on the pats wire podcast Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week four. At quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins faces a Seattle Seahawks defense that has allowed nearly a full game's worth of yardage more than the next closest team. Six passing touchdowns have come against this defense, plus two more on the ground, and Fitzpatrick has shown he can still move with his legs. Injuries to two cornerbacks and star safety Jamal Adams has Seattle's defense behind the curve. Devin Singletary should see the majority of carries again this week if Zach Moss isn't capable of playing. No team has given up more PPR points than the Las Vegas Raiders against running backs, fueled by six rushing scores and a receiving touchdown. If John Brown is out of the passing game for Buffalo this week, it's safe to assume we could see more Singletary in the short passing game. Sticking with that same matchup, Hunter Renfro emerged as the top target last week for Derek Carr. It's unclear how much Darren Waller's lack of production was due to the Patriots keying on him or a combination of that with his knee injury. Las Vegas should be without wide receivers Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in 
in this contest, and Buffalo is pretty strong against running backs. There should be a lot more passing in this one than John Gruden may want. And finally, Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tanyan against the Atlanta Falcons. He has scored in consecutive games, and Atlanta has allowed the second most receptions, third most yards, and the eighth easiest touchdown scoring efficiency against tight ends so far in 2020. If Devontae Adams doesn't play again, it means Tanyan is likely to see an increase in looks. With Green Bay having a week five bye, they have no incentive to rush Adams back to the lineup. For more fantasy football tips and advice, go check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I actually look forward to those meetings because I do know one thing about, you know, Coach Belichick is he's going to be as 100 as 100 is. And, you know, from you not taking the right steps to you making a great play on this play to you just not getting the job done. You know, I've seen it the short time that I've been here. I've seen that tone change. You know, not not many times to many different people. So whatever the same Bill Belichick that you knew is the same Bill Belichick that I know, and that's just something that you just have to love and respect out of him. So this is a uh, story that you can probably recycle every single week, Henry, is uh, people asking Cam Newton how his relationship with Bill Belichick is. And you, you wrote once again that he's getting sick of these questions. Uh, he just wishes people would probably just leave it alone and let them go to work, but... I think there is uh, this underlying story with Newton in the Patriots. We know he's on this really uh, incentive-laden one-year deal, and his future is very much up in the air. Uh, you know, I don't know how much it makes sense for the Patriots to like just go and extend him right now while we're all in the honeymoon phase, right? That's probably not the best business decision. You should let yourself get out of the honeymoon stage, let the love wear off, and then figure out if that's really what you want to do. What do you think about all these questions about Newton's future? I mean, I, I think that's a story that's not going away. It, that's just going to be a story that goes week to week to week to week, and you might just be able to keep recycling your story, right? Just change the lead and just keep recycling it because it's not going anywhere so there there are a lot of layers to this right i think superficially the reason people keep asking this is because of what you're saying it's like people are curious how the relationship is going to evolve especially as they get to be spending more time together and as belichick wears on everyone even tom brady tom brady wanted to leave it was pretty clear and if he didn't want to leave like belichick probably wanted him to leave and he wanted something new which is something in itself right that belichick sort of like he gets tired of players then but i think what was more likely is brady wanted something a little bit different a little bit easier and like how can you blame him you know working for the same company working for the same boss for 20 years i mean it's it's hard to do it's definitely something that happens a lot in the workplace but if you ask anyone who's been two decades under the same boss and at the same company they might have a complicated relationship with i would their imagine boss yes. at that point yes ultimately whether you're tom brady or whether you're cam newton belichick's a tough coach to play for that's why both quarterbacks got asked lots of questions about their relationship with the coach but then you know you get down to okay so if if the relationship's still good now do they extend it and the answer like you insinuated i agree is no you don't because the relationship could evolve. Belichick and Newton could be Belichick and Gronk, which lasted for 10 years. 
Belichick and Brady, which lasted for 20. I mean, Newton doesn't have 20 more, but, or it could be Belichick and Adelius Thomas, where, you know, things fell apart pretty quickly, or Belichick and Randy Moss, where things fell apart over a few years. So Belichick has a history of this, and people are sort of watching, like, okay, when's this going to expire? And I think on Cam Newton's side, it feels unfair because he's like, look, I'm an established quarterback. I do everything that the Patriots ask of me. Why in the world are we waiting for my relationship to expire? And people who have lived here, and covered the team for a very long time are like, well, because we've watched relationships expire and this is what we do. (laughs) Exactly. We we want to talk about it. So I understand the tension on both sides and the fact that that even exists, the history of expiring relationships in New England. I think that's why the Patriots are going to wait to extend him to this offseason. I also think that his agent would be wise to wait because this season is going to probably go pretty well for Newton. And if he does the extension now, he is not going to make the same amount of money as he would in a situation where either he gets a franchise tag this offseason or he gets to enter the open market. And all the teams that felt like they missed out on Newton get another crack at him. Yeah, and there's got to be a few teams out there. And, And one thing for me, it's like, we don't really know if the Stidham experiment is over yet, right? We we just we know it's on hold this year, but we don't know if it's over. And then the thought of Belichick giving Newton a massive extension or a franchise tag, which is a really big contract and one that is not really something the Patriots have ever really done, giving a, a quarterback franchise tag would be like thirty-seven million or something. It just that just doesn't seem super realistic right now. We ran this story, Henry, uh, in our newspaper here on the seacoast of New Hampshire, and I wanted to get your take on this. It was a column musing about how well Newton would fit with the Raiders. You know, so if the if it doesn't work out with the Patriots and Newton does become a free agent and the Raiders, as we talked about, decide to move on from Derek Carr because it doesn't feel like Carr is the guy to lead Vegas to a Super Bowl. How good would Newton look in a Vegas uniform opening up that stadium to fans for the first time next season? Newton with all the swag, he and Josh Jacobs like running those RPOs. I mean, that would be sweet. That would be awesome. You know, I mean, that would be kind of cool. Maybe not for the Patriots nation, because I think I'm eating up everything Cam Cam Newton says and does right now, too. I think all the fans are. But Newton in a Raiders uniform next year, man, that could be kind of cool. I agree. I was talking on Raiders radio last week. I was like, I'd written that story about how Cam Newton was embarrassing every NFL evaluator not named Bill Belichick. And that's a bit of an overstatement, but I don't know, like the Chiefs could have Cam Newton for a million dollars. I mean, the the Raiders could have Cam Newton for a million dollars. The Ravens could have Cam Newton for a million dollars. I don't know that Newton would have taken those jobs, but the Raiders, he might have. And the Raiders spent like eight million on Marcus Mariota. What are we talking about here? That was a bad decision. Yep. If they had Newton on the team instead of Mariota, Newton might be the starter next week. So, yeah, I think Newton is a great fit for Las Vegas, and I think he's a great fit for a lot of teams. So, now, I don't. I thought that going into this offseason, too, and, and uh, Newton didn't get a lot of interest. So, you have to think that his market will change this offseason. There's no guarantee, but I, I would imagine that teams will be more interested in him, especially if his season kind of continues in the way that it's gone maybe even if it's two good games and one bad one like we saw over the first three weeks yeah it's that this story's not going anywhere so we'll be following it all season long all right next week is kind of a big one henry going to arrowhead patriots are seven point underdogs in this game no respect from vegas henry and i will take a look at the kansas city chiefs defending super bowl champs here coming up we'll be right back 
Who's right? It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on Week 4's marquee matchup between the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots are plus seven underdogs, Chiefs minus seven home favorites, over under 53 and a half in this game, minus 110 on either side of that. Patriots plus 240 underdogs, money line. Jeff, how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I'm totally on the Patriots plus seven. How often do you get Bill Belichick in a major game getting seven points? That Chiefs rush defense is really weak, so Cam Newton and company is going to be able to take the air out of the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Um, And Bill Belichick, you know, has extra time to prep. He got short rest for Kansas City. I'm all on the I'm on the Patriots plus seven. Did you watch Monday Night Football? Did you see those Kansas City Chiefs? No, they're out to prove a point. They're still the best team in football. Take them minus seven at home to New England Patriots. I don't care. The best team in football. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcast. Be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chiefs looked nasty on Monday night. Carving up the Ravens, they really shut down that Ravens run game. And the Patriots offense, as we've talked about, isn't all that much different than the Ravens offense. They want to kind of attack in that way. And I thought the Chiefs did a pretty good job against Lamar Jackson and that whole crew. Pat Mahomes kind of put on a show. The Chiefs were underdogs, probably shouldn't have been in that game in an empty stadium. How do you think the Patriots kind of match up with this Chiefs team? I think they have to go back to the setup that has worked for them in the past. And that is at least from a receivers to DBs standpoint, Jonathan Jones and Devin McCourty on Tyreek Hill, Mm -hmm. Stephon Gilmore on Sammy Watkins, and then probably JC Jackson on McCall Hardman. And if they go for wide receivers, Jason McCourty on on Robinson. And then you you have the problem of of, uh, Travis Kelsey. He's the big problem here. Which then probably requires Jawan Williams and or Kyle Duggar. Sort of a similar combination with what they did with Darren Waller last week. So, you know, it might just be Kyle Duggar this week because Jawan Williams got essentially benched in the role after committing two holding penalties. They decided to use Jawan Williams. So maybe he goes on Kelsey and on third downs, you know, third and and mid-range, they double Kelsey and third and long, they double Tyreek Hill. Something to that effect. And that's probably what they're going to ride with. It's it's similar to what they did last year and then the year before in the AFC Championship game, that shootout, that Brady one. I think that's what they have to do. Even that, you know, you have a vulnerability. I think the biggest one in this case would be Kelsey or whoever you're not doubling. It's either Kelsey or Hill. Either way, you've got a matchup for Mahomes to exploit. And Mahomes doesn't even really need an exploitable matchup. Like he creates, it's like we saw with Russell Wilson two weeks ago, like, a good enough pass just beats coverage. Yep. So, unfortunately, 
from an execution standpoint, Mahomes is just he's executing on such a high level that it's possible that he just outplays them and then they lose. What they'll then try to do is is make it so that he cannot execute flawlessly. So they'll they'll use the pass rush to try and hurry him, to try and interfere with his ability to see the field, to try and interfere in any way possible. Um, Chase Winovich is putting together a sort of stunningly good season. The statistics really, really like what he's doing. Advanced statistics like it, you know, whether it's PFF or next gen stats on ESPN. ESPN, by the way, is ranking him as one of the most versatile and best edge players in the NFL. He's a top five run defender and pass rusher, which is unique. Most players these days are sort of like one or the other. So he's up there with basically Khalil Mack uh, as a player of comparison, which is not a comparison that many people have even dreamed of. No. Winovich being in the same realm. But at least for three weeks, um, the comparison is there. So Winovich will be a key to interfering with uh, Mahomes' sort of competency. Dietrich Wise has been really good as a pass rusher, which is something he's always been good at, but his run defense has gotten better as well. And then you got Lawrence Guy, who's like kind of old reliable, and Adam Butler, who's coming up in the same way. Those will, those will be the guys that are key, you know, that three, four-ish man front, the amoeba front. And it seems like every time with this matchup, Belichick schemes it up and does a pretty good job against Mahomes early, and then the Chiefs explode, right? And they score like 21, 28 points in like the blink of an eye. And all of a sudden, it's like a, a really high-scoring game. I mean, 53 and a half is the over-under. I think I'm going over. I think I'm going definitely going over in this. And... Uh, what do you think about the line? Pat's seven-point underdogs. You taking the points? So that is really hard. I, I, would, I might honestly take the Chiefs because I think ultimately the Patriots just can't keep pace. The Chiefs' defense is much better than – I'm just thinking on a barometer. They look good um, against Baltimore. They did the D. Yeah, and if you compare sort of that defense versus the using Seattle as the barometer – where the offenses are actually pretty, pretty comparable. I don't know if Seattle's gotten, like, I think they're getting plenty of love, but I don't know if they've gotten enough love to the point where, like, Wilson's playing as well as Mahomes, and, and the weapons are playing as well as Mahomes's. So I think it's going to be a similar level of execution offense with the opponent's offense compared to the Patriots' defense. What I think will be a different level of execution is the Patriots' offense against the Chiefs' defense, which will be harder to score on. Uh, Newton had such a terrific game, but that was because the Seattle secondary is really, really, really bad. So much harder uh, matchup for him on Sunday to throw the ball. And like we saw last week, when they challenge, when an opponent challenges him to throw the ball, he sometimes makes really bad decisions. Uh, and we saw a lot of bad ones last week. So yeah, yeah. make those same bad decisions in a game against the Chiefs and you lose by 14. And maybe you lose by 21. So, you know, I think that's why I'm leaning, leaning Chiefs here. But and I can't say with confidence that I know no one does that I know what will happen that's why this is such a fun matchup Chiefs Patriots there always seem to be a good game when these two teams match up gonna be a lot different with Cam Newton under center but looking forward to all the coverage on Patriots wire and looking forward to watching this game and breaking it down next week so uh Henry enjoy it my man and we'll we'll catch up next week all right yes indeed This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.